This podcast is recorded in a house with animals. We've already had one cat wandering around yelling because she couldn't find us while we were recording Hidden Almanac, and so we expect dogs, cats, chickens are safely tucked away and asleep. It's it's really groovy. The other thing is we swear a lot. Oh, do we ever. And we might even be talking about bodily functions this time, but in general we try to keep it PG-13, although we can we have to mark it explicit because the podcast organizers, whatever, the the gatekeepers at Apple and whatever, they only understand two settings, clean and explicit, and I don't want to get yelled at because I mark something clean and then we drop an F-bomb. Indeed. Welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 78. I'm really excited about the interview. I got to talk to Nate and Ann Austin about two months ago about the game they're developing and how they keep organized, and that's going to be our interview, and it's a lot of fun. It's, it's really great to hear about the art and how they manage all that stuff. So there's that. It is also the first episode of 2019. My God. I Here know. we are. You've been doing this for over a year. I've been doing this for about a year and a half. Good Lord. It'll be two years, I think, in June. And we have what looks like a three-week break coming up in April because of... Our hopeful trip to China. Hopeful trip to China. I'm going to see about at least having some interviews, even if it's just like brief stuff put together before we leave. Uh, We'll see how that happens. Indeed. In the meantime, though, we have started off the new year. I'm leaving for MAGFest in the morning. So uh, the job hunt is sort of taking a little bit of a pause. And Well, it's not like anyone's going to be answering your resume over New Year's. Right. Uh, but that still led to some anxiousness today. Yeah, you, you had you had a pretty good episode, uh, uh, Oh Anxious. Yeah, I, I woke up and I was looking at it and thinking about all the things I had to do. And then it was like, but, uh, you know, it all sort of piled into, I have all this stuff to do and I don't have a job and I need to get that taken care of. And it just sort of snowballed. To the point where you were on the couch going, I have failed as a provider, I'm going to let you down and the kids down and the chickens down, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. and there, one of the things about it is, yeah, that's definitely something that's, like, social. Absolutely social. It is hammered into us. This is the part of the patriarchy that everyone sort of forgets about, or at least we don't talk about very much, is that there is a lot of pressure on some of us who are raised at least in the 80s and the 70s, that if we are not at a job, earning money, providing for our family, we're failures. Just absolute total failures. And it's it's men at least get a double whammy of that. Uh, Women, of course, get much more complicated whammies. And so, but I mean, yeah, there is a real you must provide. And if you cannot provide for your family, you are a total failure as Mm -hmm. a man and a human. And even... Stay-at-home dads struggle through this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because while they're accepting a role that isn't the traditional male role, and I'm putting that in air quotes with all the sarcasm intended, they still run into this societal expectation that, oh, you stay home with your kids. Not the, you know, and then there's a lot of talk about, oh, that must be wonderful, and you're getting all this time with the kids, and yada, yada. But there's still that initial kind of hit from society that says oh what are you doing yeah you don't have a job you're not earning money you're dependent on your wife like that's a bad thing yeah right 
And so it's, it's completely programmed into me and I'm trying to break that programming, but there's also a part of me that I don't do idle well. And my and, and just just to interrupt, just because you know the programming is there doesn't make it go away. Right. I know that you know I am forty one and I do not have to attempt to look twenty five and super sexy. But the fact that I know that doesn't make me feel any better about the fact that I look forty one. Uh, yeah. No, that's yeah. that's completely true. And there was also the we were rewatching, or at least we were watching, the final season of What Not to Wear last night. And they, one of the things that was re- repeating about, you know, to middle-aged women was don't dress like you're 25 because that means you're trying to compete with 25-year-olds, year, 25 and they always win on that. There was some swearing on the part of the host I, about that. I believe ex- exactly <laughs> what Stacy said was those bitches. <laughs> so... It's it's and and that's part of the societal pressure that that mm-hmm. you know uh, stigmatizes older women. If you're a woman, you are only valuable when you are young. Once you are old, you are you know you are useless and uh, can get you know shoved into a uh, un- unless you solve crimes in an English village. Then you're yeah. then but but there's only so many crimes in English villages, <laughs> and every one of those posts is usually taken. And even as our lives get longer, and as we're able to stay active longer and even in a lot of ways younger longer like i i'm gonna be 48 in like a week and a half Mm -hmm. you know i am staring starting to stare down 50 yeah uh we we probably ought to have a party for that one um that's okay but you're gonna have to help organize it because you know me oh yeah no i i've got two years to organize it right yeah jesus don't expect me to organize a party yeah anyway the the whole idea around that though is that there's been this big thing about devaluing older people and older workers and that our societal expectation is after a certain age, well, you just sort of retire and go away. And as our lives get longer, we're able to provide value longer, even if it isn't in the same traditional way. Aha, bringing it back. Yeah. And so there's that adds to my anxiety because there's a big thing about, oh, you're 48, you're almost 50 why are you still working and a lot of it is you know if you're in the it industry especially the internet industry the idea that you want to work for a startup there's a lot of of pressure from young people like oh why would we want someone that old they must not be very good because they didn't strike strike it rich and they aren't getting they aren't you're not a dot-com millionaire so you failed right absolutely yeah and that just compounds things like I don't have, you know, I'm paying out the ass for health insurance right now, and it's not even very good health insurance. But, you know, which, again, piles onto the you must not be very good at what you do or you must be a failure. And it's just this horrible feedback loop. Oh, yeah. And I know I'm not the only one who has this, and there's starting to be a big push, at least outside of the the shall we call it the big corporations that people who've been in this industry a long time, just because they're still working doesn't mean they're failures just because they're not on a beach in Costa Rica, living out the rest of their days in luxury doesn't mean that they can't provide value to your new startup or your organization or something along those lines. Sweet. If we dumped you on a beach in Costa Rica, I would give you four days before you began wandering around trying to like, uh, update the resort's website and make sure all of their passwords were secure. 
Either that or organize the uh, local workers for better working conditions and higher wages. <laughs> exactly. I, as I get older, my social my social obligations feel so much more than just the, the little technical things I can do. And I <laughs> had a purely self-inflicted oh, God, yeah. issue. Uh, I am having it right now, in fact, <laughs> internet. Um, so, yes, this is what I sound like when I'm having a panic attack. Uh, you may note it sounds exactly like me the rest of the time because I am sufficiently medicated that this is merely an extremely obnoxious thing happening. I'm not having a full meltdown. Uh, right. And this was self-inflicted. I, my beloved coffee shop is open, and I am so happy it is open again. It is I, – I went in and sat down and wrote a thousand words, and it felt like – Okay, I'm back home. All right. <laughs> the long nightmare has ended. <laughs> so I am so happy that it's back that I forgot that one thing I have not done for the past year is slam down a pint or two, two in this case. of fairly strong coffee. And I, I get it in pint glasses. They have a pint glass for me. Uh, we fact, walked in. <laughs> we walked in, and Ducky, the afternoon barista, was just like, I knew you'd be coming in, so I cleaned your glass for you. Yes, it was the only pint glass in the place. They're still on, on since they just reopened, they're still on, you know, disposable cups for everyone else. But, like, I, I brought you your pint glass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of, it was, it was it very was, sweet. It was very touching. I was very touched. Uh, also, shout out to to the listener there. Hi. Yeah. Uh, Whose name suddenly? Gerald. Like, Gerald. Gerald. Yes, Hi, Gerald. Thank you. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, but I got that, and then I got the pint glass, and then I had a refill, and then it was like three, and I went home, and because one of the things is coffee uh, puts me to sleep. Yeah. Usually. But if you drink too much of it, <laughs> what As happened well know. was that I slept like a log for about an hour and a half and then I woke up with my heart racing because I'd had too much fucking caffeine oh. and I was like trying to find a position to lay and my heart was and it wasn't uh, racing was pounding kind of hard and I was trying to find the spot where it wouldn't feel like you know I could feel my heart laboring in my chest kind of thing and I'm like oh, this isn't good and then I started to feel queasy and shaky and you know freaked out and my cortisol levels are probably going and I'm like this is the caffeine I know this is the caffeine uh -huh. but because it, it, as you say about feedback loops anxiety does not like your heart to start pounding it assumes you have a reason for it and so your brain is like you can't convince your 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 heart. It's all this chemical hardwiring that was all, that is all. Your heart's pounding. Something bad happened. We have to go. You know, uh -huh. there's going to be a tiger or something terrible is happening. We got to prep for the terrible thing. Come on, let's go. All right, adrenaline. Let's do this. And I'm like, it was the caffeine. It, I'm. There are no tigers in the bushes. It was caffeine. And my brain's like, nope, nope. Come on, we we gotta we gotta load up. Run, we run, gotta run, yeah. we gotta be ready to go. The, obviously, something is terrible. Like there are no tigers here. <laughs> like then your husband is leaving you. I'm like, no. Not, okay, then I'll die in a car accident. Uh, that that okay, no. But and then leave you. No, that's not how this works. For a tiger, no, no, no. Kevin, don't leave me for a tiger. I'm not leaving you for a tiger. I I. <laughs> how do I put this? There, I I know two kinds of tigers. There are the large mammals, carnivores, over at 
Pittsburgh Tiger Preserve Carnivore Preservation Trust, whatever they are, this, whatever they call themselves these days. And they're very sweet, but would not hesitate to put their mouth around my head and swallow. It's not that. No, I'm not going to leave you for one of those. The other are, yes, I, I know some, some furries who fursonas are tigers, but I don't swing that way. You know, you just you just left that analogy right there with the furries, and the, and I'm dying. I'm. Are, I'm... Do, are you? Oh, what I I missed it. What analogy? The tigers would not hesitate to put the. Oh dear me. Uh Oh, so that got awkward suddenly. So Ooh, that about my. that explicit tag, because um, <laughs> I yes. Know some lovely tiger furries who probably would not hesitate, but um, we're moving on. We're moving on moving with on, our yes. lives, yes. But I'm not is... leaving you, never. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm going away to MAGFest for the weekend, but that's... Promise you won't leave me because I'm batshit insane. Oh, dear God. There, There's no <laughs> world in which I would leave you for your brand of insanity. Yay! Notice I qualify that as your brand of insanity because I have dated some people who were not always a hundred percent balanced and and it was not uh congruent it wasn't yes it, it wasn't congruent imbalance their their imbalance didn't balance my imbalance i, yeah. I believe we have complementary imbalances and i think that's important yes the and i and honestly i felt guilty that I was having a panic attack on a day when you had an anxiety attack because I was like, my God, my anxiety is trying to upstage your anxiety. I should be helping you because you're anxious and not making about me with the panicking. So it was really, it was just bad time. Yeah, except I'm better now. I'm like, I feel fine. I, oh, I okay. cool. went through it and <laughs> like... We I, went I, out and got coffee and he talked to people who weren't me or the chickens. And yeah, and, and that's, that's... Got Im stuff done. That's important. And, I think part of it was also I've been feeling a little bit of social disconnect, right? I've done mostly family events for the last week and a half. Hi, Sergey. And and there was and the schedule. The schedule was also a killer. My schedule is is whacked because we went through right. the whole vacation thing, and mm -hmm. uh, Kevin's kids or Kevin's son is uh, not back in school yet, so is with his right. mom in South Sergey, Carolina. Stop! Stop loving the microphone. You're not. You're not helping. And uh, so Sorry, Kevin everyone. no longer has the schedule where he's getting up to take him to school to sort of provide structure. And Shit, the orange cat just showed up and I'm being surrounded. Uh, yes, there is a cat on either side of Kevin's head and they're glaring at each other. We so anyway, fight each other over my shoulder. Uh, anyway, so Kevin is having the problem of his schedule is disrupted and... When you are unemployed, as many of you know, vacations do not feel like vacations. They feel like the long slide into the abyss. Yeah, nobody's nobody's answering their emails. It has it would have been answering their emails. It's just safe to assume that from Monday the twenty fourth to basically today, no one's actually at work. Yeah, I mean there are people at work, but they're they're not. But the other thing is, even on days. When I'm not working, I spend time on Slack, on Discord, talking to friends, all of that. I've kind of let all that slide. So I've been very disconnected except for family holiday-themed events. So I haven't really been spending any time just socializing, socializing with people who aren't either immediate relatives or my chickens. Yeah. 
And your chickens are lovely and very emotionally supportive in their way, but... As uh, long as the mealworms keep flowing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's not quite the same. So, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's easy to... to and it's not like you were like, I am cutting myself off from Slack deliberately. No, it just no. stuff happens and you don't log on and then you're doing stuff and then you're playing a video game and then it's the weekends. So you get to do that. And then all of a sudden it's been a week since you've talked to another, you know, adult human who isn't your wife and right. you're getting weird. I mean, not that you're getting weird, but stuff gets weird in your head. Stuff gets weird in your head. And that that's the thing. It's, it is kind of all in my head. And it's really, it's surprisingly easy, at least for me to get past some of it because some of it's just let's go outside and talk to somebody who is completely not involved with any of this about random subject. Yeah. Uh, Uh, And it, it helps that, uh, that you are a very gregarious person. Yeah. And I'm already starting to gear up towards Magfest. I already had uh, my friend Lilith reach out and say, Hey, are you here yet? And I'm like, no, I won't be in until tomorrow, but she's about to move from the East Coast to the West Coast. So, you know, we want to get a little, uh, a little chit-chat time. And our friend, um, Allegrena, who we haven't had a chance to hang out with in quite some time, indeed, uh, is going this year. And she's like, oh my God, when can I meet you? Because we haven't, you know, neither of us have seen her, even though you're not coming with me. It's just, you know, so those, those outreaches are coming and they're really helpful. Um and, I mean, you'll come back probably actually sick of talking to humans, ironically. <laughs> Quite but, possibly, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's... Uh, mostly because uh, when I'm not asleep or playing a video game or socializing while I'm there, oh my god, they have my favorite stand-up games of all time every year <laughs> in the arcade, and I can't wait. But there, I have to be on. I ha- And not just on in the social sense, I have to be the responsible adult in the room. Yeah, yeah. Since I'm one of the duty officers, uh, the, there are six hours where basically, in a lot of ways, the health and safety of th- all 20,000 people at the event is in my hands. Uh, it's That's not truly the case, but it feels like it, and there's a lot of responsibility there. I will be so burned out of responsibility <laughs> by the time I get back yeah. that it'll take me a couple days Um before I'm I'm back in a you may have to make decisions like what we're having for dinner for a day or two. Oh God, dear! You realize as soon as you're gone, I'm just gonna like grab one of those summer sausages and just gnaw on it like a carrot. So we're gonna make Jacob responsible for picking <laughs> dinner for a couple days. <laughs> well, no, I'll just go my horrible bachelor feral lifestyle. For, no, I mean know, when I get back, days. not yeah, yeah, not while I'm gone. I mean while I'm gone, yeah, you you could feed yourself. He can feed himself as long as we've got food in the house no but when i get back i may be just like what are we having for dinner please don't make me choose <laughs> there actually uh when i got back from oregon um oh yeah uh, kevin was like what do we have for what would you like for dinner and i'm like the thing i would like most is not to decide what we are having for dinner exactly. because i had to decide every single day because I love my mother. She is very passive in the, you know, just whatever you want thing. And and was probably also equally overwhelmed with decision making, you know. So yeah. I was picking every single day. And by the end of it, I was just like, I don't, I will eat anything in front of me as long as I don't have to decide. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's possibly part of my anxiety is I'm going to have to be the you know, there are only one or two people who have, as as we put it, quote, a pay grade above me. So there's, you know, a lot of people are going to be coming to me looking to resolve issues, to react to things, to make sure 
things get managed appropriately, I am going to have so much decision fatigue. Oh, yeah, which is a real thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, now that we have both ranted, and obviously neither of us have been terribly productive because it's been, we've been on vacation, which has not affected either of our mental health terribly well, frankly. No, I I mean, I want my rut back. I I still managed to, you know, get podcasts out the door. We've got uh, Hidden Almanacs. Whoops. Sorry about the banging. There's a, Sergey just will not leave me and the microphone alone. Um, We've got uh, uh, Hidden Almanacs going out again. Uh, yep. You know, I've had to deal with um, extended family events. Yes. Uh, You're fixing a friend's computer. I'm fixing a friend's computer, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's not like you're just sitting alone in a dark room, you know, uh, listening to. Uh, For me, it would be like Takira the Smith. No, not emo. <laughs> I mean, I like emo, but. Eh. What's what's the the sitting alone in a dark room music for people in your generation? Um, the Smiths, The Cure. I occasionally, I, I push those boundaries with. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of of darkness in Quadrophenia. I mean, that's that's that is the rock opera of. Almost a youth wasted. It's what? Nothing. That is totally legit. Okay. When I sit in, a, when I need to go to, I am sitting in a dark room and wallowing in my despair. I put in seasons in the abyss. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. But uh, like, I, I realize as a grunge child, I should probably be listening to like Nirvana or something. But fuck that, Slayer. Yeah. I think it, I, and a lot of it depends on where I want the mood to go, but I used to basically put on Quadrophenia, get in my car, not necessarily in that order, I'd get in my car, I'd start the car, I'd, I'd start, like... <laughs> Just having you putting in Quadrophenia, leaving it playing in the house and driving off. Yeah, right, but, uh, you know, put in, you know, side the one... cats will listen to Quadrophenia. Yep. Starting at the beginning of Quadrophenia, getting in the car, doing a full loop of uh, what is now 440... Didn't used to be yeah. uh, when it was just the belt line, and now that it's it's four forty, uh, just doing that full loop. Sometimes even driving, you know, just as far out of Chapel Hill and back to to my apartment, Raleigh, until it had just flushed out. And it's a little harder to do at this age, uh, but you know, locking myself in a dark room with headphones and and Quadrophenia will probably make you have a panic attack uh. if I'm not answering and I'm just like. If you, I mean, if you prep it appropriately, if you're just like, I need to be in a dark room with music for a bit, uh, give me an hour or two, I'll be fine. Yeah. I'll be like, is there anything I can do? Nope. All right, then. Yeah, first time that, that rolled through with my ex-wife way back in 90-something, when I hit one of those moods and did that, she was like, are you mad? What's wrong? I'm just like... You no, know, my ex did that when I had a Seasons in the Abyss yeah. <laughs> point. Mm. Well, anyway, we should right. probably get to the, the yeah, so speaking let's, let's, of things that aren't abyssal. No, let's go talk to Nate and Ann Austin. They are a husband-wife team who do indie game development. Their game, Wilder Myth, is getting a lot of good press, even if it's only in alpha. Wait, what? I I know those two. I did some writing for Wilder Myth. Yeah. Oh. So I knew that name was familiar. Great, awesome. Uh, they uh, they were talking about their process and it's really a cool game. It's an awesome like like thing. You yeah no. yeah no I I I don't have my hands on it yet because I can't get it on Steam yet. But uh, but we talked about their process and how they they do all that. And so we're going to talk to them about that, and we'll be back after that. Mm-hmm. 
Hi, everybody. I am here with Nate and Anne, who have volunteered to talk about how they keep themselves organized and stay productive. So, Nate and Anne, can you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what it is you actually do before we get to the organizational questions? Sure thing. Yeah. Uh, my name is Nate. Uh, I am um, most of these days. We are working on an indie game called Wildermyth. And we're doing it uh, self-funded, working at home with small kids. Uh, we've been doing this f- for about four years. It's been kind of a gradient. Part-time to, and now we're, now we're to full-time. full-time on it. Um, and we hope to ship in a, within about six months. So we're nearing the finish line. Nice. Um, we uh, got the money from a previous uh, game industry um, job. I got, I got pretty lucky with my, my right. last job. And that's why we can afford to do this. So we're going to give it a shot. And then if it fails, we'll go get real jobs. And if it succeeds, maybe we'll start a game studio or something. Who knows? There you go. All right. Yeah, uh, no, um, oh, Nate does programming. I'm Annie. I do the art. And we've got, we've got kind of a small-ish team of other part-time contractors, music, right. writing, et cetera, like that. Yeah, so it, is, yeah. it is rare a... a- a studio that has like an all-in-one one person can do it all yeah that's extremely rare yeah um and we've we've actually taken some steps to organize our game to cut out the parts of game development that we didn't want to do so we made decisions really early on we didn't have any 3d modelers or animators on the team so we said we're just not going to do that stuff so we ended up with a 2d aesthetic because that's what annie draws um we went with like paper craft art style i want to do generation um so we ended up just going that way and that like studio philosophy has worked really well for us because the parts that we are excited about we can own 100 percent um and and really make them our own instead of farming that out and every time you farm it out it's it's just really hard to back something that is like true to what you would have built yourself. Especially when you're working remotely with people. Oh yeah. yeah. A lot of, you know, a lot of back and forth emails and mm-hmm. you can hop on a call, but it's not, it's not the same as being face to face. Yeah. I, I've been working basically a hundred percent remote for eight years in my last two jobs. So I understand <laughs> those, those challenges really Hard. well. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. I mean, part yeah so through all that and with you know you've got the kids you've got the, the work you've got the, the contractors things like that how do you keep yourself organized yeah. we were talking about this we use all the tools like one of my like life lessons really early on was how stupid i am like i i i did great in high school i thought i was really smart but i got to college <laughs> very good school uh, and, I, and I learned how stupid I was and not only that I was stupid but the, the smartest people in the world were stupid oh yeah all stupid <laughs> um, terrible kind of so we use we use everything I have uh, note cards that I keep on my desk uh, we use Trello we use whiteboards we use uh, Google Docs we use slack slack uh, wiki email um, Dropbox, yeah. MailChimp—like what else? We got. It's, it's definitely built up over the course of the last few. There's years. this entire structure of signals all around me telling me what to do, and that's like that keeps 
yeah. things on track. Yeah. I'm 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 just trying to write it all down really quickly so that oh. I remember later, and I'm just like, wow, that yeah, there's a lot going on there, um, and I'll listen to this later so that I can make sure I didn't miss and anything. The, the tools they tend to be used for different things. Like whiteboards for me are really good for problem solving. Like if I don't know the structure of a solution yet, mm-hmm. I go to a whiteboard. I try out a few different ideas. I like race them i try again when i have that like sort of solid then i'll transfer it to a note card right that just sits on my desk um and then when it's actually time to sit down and do the thing then it goes into like a text file that is just my little working queue there's like task 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 and then but then on a higher level than that like before it even gets to the whiteboard we do planning sessions with our mm-hmm. part-time producer mm-hmm. where we look at okay the game's going over there yeah we right, need right. these big things. Um, we're going to put those into Trello so that we don't forget about them and so that we mm-hmm. can prioritize them relative to each other. So, like, the the overall process is, like, okay, load all that stuff into Trello. Right. Right. Um, as, 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 like, planning planning mode. Then mm-hmm. when you're in work, pull something out of Trello. Like, take it apart, figure out what it actually means to execute it, build that into tasks, and then execute those tasks. Um, I found that like, you can't combine these modes of your brain. The mode that is doing things does not work well with the mode that is prioritizing things or planning things. Not really. No. Um, so I like to keep them very separate and, and then I run into problems some sometimes, which we can get to (laughs) later, but, um, essentially, yeah. Um, we use all the tools. Yeah. No, when I, when I was, when I was, um, being both an individual contributor and like the scrum master slash project manager, whatever at uh, not the last job, but the one before Mm -hmm. it, it was, yeah, that was one of the most difficult things is, is having to do that context shift. Like, all right, am I, what am I, how am I prioritizing for the team? And now what do I need to do for myself? And yeah, I, I understand now why in a lot of cases, scrum master or project manager is a dedicated role and not, and an individual contributor, because I've tried to do it, and it sucks. Especially it in, sucks. you know, yeah. It's brutal. Guilt trip yourself. Things at the top of the list, I need to do it, but I don't want to do it, but I need to do it, but I don't want to do it. Well, maybe it's not the most important thing. Yeah, but you're just saying that because you don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's horrible. You, you, you fight with yourself. Uh, you have to, like, compartmentalize and just switch out. Uh, yeah. One of the things I've learned over the years is, like, sometimes when I'm procrastinating, it is because the work is wrong. Right. You have to like, you have to be able to recognize, okay, I don't want to do this actually because it's the wrong thing or there's some prerequisites to it mm-hmm. that I haven't worked through or like there's actually a better idea over here. But you don't know that until you really you, reflect and dig in and like go through that process. Yeah, sit down to actually do it. And yeah. so, but that's, that's hard to do as the project manager or the, or the scrum master, because you're the one who's trying to prioritize it. Meanwhile, you, you know, then you turn that off, you go to do the other bit, and you're like, oh, crap, I'm completely wrong about this, now I have to tell the team, right? Yeah, so. uh, yeah I've definitely, I have to switch in between planning and doing mode. Right. So if I sit down and I'm in doing mode, I can't, if I don't have a list in front of me, of like, here are your priorities, here's what needs to get done. I, you've seen me, I just, flail around a shop for hours <laughs> and it's really sad <laughs> i'll start random random thing drawing random things no that's not what i need to work on start random things no that's not what i need to work on 
And over the years, I think I've gotten better at realizing, no, you need to, okay, stop, close Photoshop. That's not where you need to be right now. You need to to make a list. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe go over to Trello if it's already been done. If it hasn't been done, go go bug Nate, talk to Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Work it out together. Work it out together. Yeah. 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 And then that that's that's the professional side of things, I guess. Um, is there any any does any of that carry over to or is there something completely different when we talk about the not work organization, or is it just <laughs> sort of all one big mess? And I'm okay with one big mess. It's kind of different. <laughs> it is different. We don't yeah. use Trello for childcare. Yeah, no. okay, yeah. Maybe we could, yeah. but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a bit to organize outside of it. With yeah, the two I mean, kids. and you handle most of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of whom um, has a lot of different therapies going on right yeah, now. Yeah. Those schedules all need to mesh together. Mm-hmm. Just having a, you know, like we did growing up, having a big calendar right in the kitchen there that you can write stuff on. And when I'm on the phone, when somebody, you know, when somebody texts me and needs to change an appointment, just going down there, crossing it out, writing it somewhere else. Because if I try to keep it in my head, they will mm. they will almost inevitably accidentally start overlapping each other. Yeah, and then I right. have to go on frantically texting. And and I've that's that's why I've I've had I've had a couple where I, oh crap I've scheduled an interview with one person at the same time that apparently I have a dentist thing and now I have to <laughs> you know or kid emergency because that you know that oh, yeah. happens yeah. Even at even at even when he's seventeen, there's still oh great, I have to go mm-hmm. pick him up from school because he's coughing his lungs out from allergies and crap like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So we were sick these last couple. Yeah. Of weeks. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So all right, so we've got all of that. Well, there's just there's going to be a lot to unpack through that. Um, <laughs> we talk about some of it or all of it. Yeah. Um, the interesting stuff. So so in all of that. Um, are there any systems or habits as part of it that are valuable? And we've already talked a little bit about the planning mode versus executing yeah. mode. But I um, mean, I, you, you know, you've got Trello, which is a Kanban board. You've got, uh, you know, the wiki, which is probably not being used for project management, but documentation. I think right. I could be wrong. You've got yes. the whiteboards for brainstorming, uh, yes. you know, but is Google there an Docs, overall system? Exploration. Yeah. Um, like my, like my general philosophy, and this goes back to the, the you are dumb thing, mm-hmm. is is to use all of the psychological tricks that I can mm-hmm. to get myself to do what I know I need to do. Um, <laughs> so like know yourself and play yourself is essentially it, right? Like I, I've uh, got this office set up upstairs. Mm-hmm. I do zero gaming on this computer. <laughs> I have another place where that can happen. Right, right. right. Um, I uh, I work best in, in the morning, get up, have some coffee, and just go straight to work. Mm-hmm. And then in the evening, I start to tail off. We've had a lot of trouble over the years, especially with kids being home and trying to balance that. Mm-hmm. Like getting into a, a pattern that is comfortable. I struggle mm-hmm. with that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I start to resent when the kids are around, which feels awful as a dad. Like, but, yeah. but I gotta be hard. honest about That's that. It's really, it. it's really hard. I feel like I should be working. I should be playing with the kids. I should mm-hmm. be like, Oh, and the kids come over and they want something. And I'm like, and I feel, I feel terrible about that. Yeah. Um, I, I will admit it gets easier as they get older. <laughs> Good uh, to hear. 
you know, I'm I, you know, now that I've got, uh, well, a 20 year old out of the house and a 17 year old in the house, you know, he's like, I pick him up from school, we come home, he's like, all right, I got to go do my homework. And then it's like, I see him for dinner. And then I have to pull him away from his video games. After everything else is done to make sure, you know, he's, you know, and chatting with his friends and things, but he's, he's reaching self-sufficiency. So it gets easier. And yeah, five and almost two. two. Yeah. That's the, that's, that's really the, the, a lot of the, the high, it's, it's an important time. Yeah. But it's also a really, pardon the phrasing, high maintenance time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, just getting like, getting our childcare situation set up and organized. And he's in kindergarten now. And mm-hmm. That's true. What systems are good for your productivity? Daycare is the answer. <laughs> 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 I'm, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree. I mean, no, I, yeah. Working no, from home. Yeah. <laughs> it'd make a huge difference being able to, we found a really nice place close by and mm-hmm. I was able to get her some more socialization and yeah. It was, yeah, we started that when she was about one and that gave us mm-hmm. dedicated time as well to work, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, a lot of, a lot of parents are, have to do anyway, a lot, a lot sooner than we did. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but it was, um, that made a big difference to have that structure during the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it provides, it provides structure to you and it provides structure to them, which is really important. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, when it was my ex-wife and I and just our older son when he was, yeah, under, like, right around a year old. I think he started daycare when he was under a year old, but I don't know if that first six months counts because the germ influx and everybody's sick and for, like, yes. yeah, yeah, as as that immune system rebuild builds up and stuff like that. But uh, it, it became really, you, you build that routine where you, you know, I would get up in the morning, I'd go to work extra early. She would. She was on second shift, so she'd get up with him. Yeah. And they'd they'd have morning time, and they'd then he'd go to daycare, and then I'd pick him up after I got off right. work. So right. I had evenings with him, and you know, and we built these routines around around that that provided everybody structure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Being yeah. able to get into a routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think because we were working from home and had this flexibility for a long time, we. Sort of avoided doing it. We avoided doing it because we didn't have to, and we didn't yeah. want to be locked in. We didn't want to have to be somewhere at a certain time. But, but embracing that was actually way better for everybody. I think. Yeah, yeah. That's not true for everyone, but it was definitely true for us. And and as the as the kids get older and they start to you know and the I going to use that phrase again and the maintenance lowers mm-hmm. or that the the need for that like there's just going to be a point somewhere around 12 that they're going to be like yeah that's great you want to hang out dad but bugger off i mean they won't say bugger <laughs> off but you know right, right. <laughs> the, their eyes will roll and there will be this yeah. sigh like oh god here we go again <laughs> oh, boy. that's funny yeah and the other thing systems and habits i I have sort of like a cyclical, maybe chronic depression sort of thing. It's not, it's not the worst in the world. I can like sort of high functioning depression, but I'll have periods of months at a time, like three, four months where really nothing gets done on the game because I just like not doing it. Um, And then I'll have months where I'm, I'm that guy. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. You can't see the flailing motions. Um, No, no, but. Um, 
so I, I kind of have had to learn how to manage that and like how to be a bit kinder to myself, not get so down on myself when I'm already down. Yeah, uh, yeah. And part of that has been like having more of a team because mm-hmm. I find that I can respond to other people pretty well. Right. I'm depressed. I can help them with their problems. I can like answer questions. I can I can do a little problem solving in that context pretty well. It's just, but it's nearly impossible to like sit down and do programming and do do my own forward work. Um, right. So just being able to shift gears and like listen to myself and not make it worse by trying to force myself through something that isn't happening. Um, yep. that's, that's been cool. a journey, and I think that's like. On the one hand, we're super lucky to be right. able to do this in a way that allows mm-hmm. me to roll with that. Mm-hmm. Like at a lot of jobs, you know, you have to just do the thing every day. And we have the luxury of being able to take our time. And if something gets done for a few months, it's not the end of the world because we, we set up our finances with a good buffer. And, yeah. 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 Um, Anyway, that's been an interesting journey. And and as someone who has been medicated for depression now for probably a decade, right? For me, I understand that completely. And the bit where it rolls between... Um, so for me, sometimes that cycle would be daily. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, because uh, we, we had, like, at my last corporate corporate job, it would be like, yes, in the morning I'm allowed to be productive. So I'd kind of push myself in that direction with extra coffee and things like that. And then the afternoon when the West coast came online and they wanted all the meetings and I knew I wasn't going to be productive, you know, but even that wears after a while to the point where, uh, you know, if I knew there was a, like, I knew Wednesdays were going to be bad because that was the day I was the point person for all the incoming tickets. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, I just wrote that day off because I knew yeah. One, I wasn't going to be productive uh, other than ticket comes in, I fix it, ticket goes out. And also from the, I'm just going to be a wreck by three in the afternoon when I go off shift. When, I, <laughs> when I'm not, you know, that six hours, it will just tear me up. And yeah. I knew that. And, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's so. really powerful to be able to write it off and not feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah critical. Because then, yeah, then you're more ready when, when you can kind of come back online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, we know, I know this time is not going to be good for this kind of productivity, but I can shift and do this other one and yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah. Usually I'll, I'll do all my art work, like good straight up drawing artwork stuff in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then once the kids get home, if they're playing by themselves, there is, there is other stuff I can do. I can do more admin stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can draw out all the stuff in the morning and then save out all the files oh, in the afternoon, yeah. which I will do sometimes. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes well, saving out the files just takes hours because there's a lot of assets. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Right. I like working with comic tools, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, some writing, edits, and events. Mm-hmm. Do all the stuff yeah. that doesn't require a, a pen like in my focus. hand. Yeah. yeah. Or, or even, you know, the kids are kind of behaving themselves, but you've got that, like, an iPad or something where you can be responding to emails and dealing with uh, the other administrivia yeah. and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. All right, I got to ask, have you tried the Pro yet, the iPad Pro? No, I've actually, I've got a, a Cintiq upstairs, which has been fantastic. Yeah, Ursula never- is in love with hers. Really? Yeah. Mm. I saw the tweets, but I haven't, I don't know. 
I was, I was waiting for something like that. Cause I remember you, you always used to ask me, do you want to like use the iPad for drawing so you can take it places? But uh, it wasn't, there wasn't a good tool for it. Apparently but. they're releasing Photoshop for it later this year. <laughs> or soonish and that was and she's like when that's done i won't need my giant desktop anymore Ooh. i might i might be sitting in the background going so there's a a, a cheese grater mac pro sitting idle now <laughs> uh <laughs> with raid and everything uh, <laughs> we're gonna have a really nice home lab soon yeah did, did you catch that yeah yeah all right go Morning, dear. Um. <laughs> you guys have the uh, the like the computer. Almost, it's almost like an ecosystem where you have like sure. the newer computers that are for one thing, and then once those get replaced, the, there's the second tier computers that go for the next thing, and then it's, the third tier computers are used for the next kind of thing. It's it's uh, become a little different as um, as I've shifted primarily to laptops. Right, mm. primarily the laptops. Like I, we're recording right now on a Mac Mini, and it is dedicated to basically do nothing but podcast production. That is all it is there for: podcast production and, and printing and printing papers and you know and, and those little bits. Uh, but since I have to be portable, uh, having uh, been a remote employee for so long, just having a laptop, and then yeah, sometimes it'll be like, yes, this laptop is done. It'll be, it can sit in the corner now and do something else. Um, like behind me, I have a Surface Pro 2 that's running basically a web browser updating, uh, updating the weather constantly left over from the hurricane. <laughs> but a lot of times it's the UI for, uh, for Home Assistant, which is uh, an open source thing I used for home automation. Um, but with the, with the advent of like a $25, $50 Raspberry Pi and, uh, you know things like that. I'm finding myself doing less of the the recycles, much more. Does someone else need an upgrade that my two year old laptop is better for them? Because the things I would be using the laptop for now, I'm using a Raspberry Pi for. Oh. Or you know, because it's like, oh, I need a thing, and I can just spend fifty bucks and done instead of you know, and then tinker and reuse and recycle and all that stuff. And somebody else gets a really nice laptop when the two year upgrade cycle on the laptops happens. That's cool. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Or in the case of the laser cutter we're setting up in Ursula's studio, <laughs> um, I've got a, a Surface book up there that I was using, and since that thing only, since that machine likes Windows and not much else, that's what this Surface is doing now. It's, it's the dedicated controller for that. But it's only only things like that. Otherwise, I, I tend to recycle, or I, I tend to upgrade and donate or upgrade and, and give away or resell. Oh, yeah. that's cool. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Might need to ask you about the laser cutter a little bit later, maybe after <laughs> after the interview. Sounds Sounds <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So we've gone through all of that. Um, anything else we want to cover in the systems and habits? Systems and habits. Uh, see, we, uh, for our studio, we we do we organize our work into sprints. Mm-hmm. We. Uh, have planning sessions where we look at all of the big things. We've gone to conventions a couple of times, and when we do, we, we write down all the feedback that we get. Right. Um, and we'll take that that back, and, and that sort of gets gets rolled into the, the planning stuff. But um, Oh, you want about the giant mural of Post-it notes? Actually, that's probably better for the next question. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we had a mural of Post-it notes for a while. 
Yeah. Oh, that that's fine. Yeah, and that that okay. So that segues right into how do you decide what to do first, either on a given day or as, as part of a sprint or, or all that stuff. Yeah, so you want to go. You want to go large scale to small scale. Or I think scale to large scale. Let's start with large scale. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the lesson that I learned sort of over this is like my sixth game startup. Not all of them were, were founded by me, but like the sixth one that I participated in. I guess. Um, so my number one priority is risk management. Building right. something like a game, it's not a known thing. You cannot spec it out fully ahead of time. There's mm-hmm. a ton of unknown stuff. So the smartest thing that you can do is manage the risk. So what we do is we, when we're collecting feedback or just ideas of what to do first, and this is this is just something that come, came from one of my like Scrum workshops yeah, yeah. Uh, at the workshops that I pulled in, but we just organize things on axes of risk versus impact. So things that are high risk go high up, low risk down here, um, high impact over to the right, low impact over to the left. Mm-hmm. Um, we, so we'll take all of our player feedback, all, all of our uh, big epics or whatever stuff we think might, we might want to do, mm. and we'll just score it. This is risky, safe, this is high impact, this is low impact. So, and, so sort of the 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 whole uh, the the Eisenhower matrix where you have uh, important, not important, urgent, not urgent, <laughs> and the idea is to be working on the important but not urgent and not and just we use that more for our personal. Yeah, but I mean, it's it sounds like it's the same sort of matrix where you're you're trying to figure out okay, is this this is not this is high risk and not very impactful, so we don't want to do that, but this is this is maybe high risk and very impactful so that may be something to look at but then there's low risk risk and very impactful so it still comes into a quadrant yeah yeah Yeah. so so the the philosophy then is once you have that you you prioritize things that are high risk high impact okay and and the reason you're going to learn the most from doing those right like that risk is they might change what they they might change the shape of like everything else on the board that's Mm -hmm sort of the point of it like both both by the risk and the impact um and then once that quadrant is clean then you go over to you know low risk low risk high impact right and then maybe you go into the quadrant on the bottom that is low impact low risk and you just don't even touch the last quadrant yeah um that's that's sort of the like the high level philosophy about how we do things. Mm-hmm. Although in practice, it's often more about what I'm excited about at the time. Yeah, <laughs> I, you've read uh, Checklist Manifesto. Oh God, I want to say years ago. Yeah, I really like that book. Um, there's one little part I remember from it. Um, well, first of all, I'll say not everybody needs to have a higher success rate in what they do. So checklists aren't for everything in your life, but for the parts of your life where you need to be <laughs> accurate yeah, and yeah. like failure rate is a big one, checklists are awesome because you're stupid. Um, so the, the thing in there that, that um, I always remember is they're talking about investors looking mm-hmm. at a new company would get excited and they would their brains would they would get so excited about this new opportunity that was going to make them so much money their brains would look just like the brain of somebody who's on cocaine 
and they call this cocaine brain. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I've, I've never been on cocaine, but I know that. <laughs> I know it because every new idea I have, I get so excited about. And yeah. and the point mm-hmm. of the book is like, look, that's cool, but you need to evaluate these things objectively. You need to have some standards by which you say like, What's it going to cost in terms of time, in terms mm-hmm. of money? What's the worst case outcome? What's the best case outcome? Like, you need to think about it. Um, and so, like, developing a system to say, like, okay, I really want to build a map editor. That's a terrible idea right now. <laughs> it's going to take four months, and it's going to add a cool feature 5% of our audience. Right. Yeah. It's not the right thing to do. Um, but okay, now I want to build themes and that's going to take like four weeks and that's going to add a lot of really visible content. Let's focus on that. And so Mm -hmm. channel channel your enthusiasm to places that you can objectively evaluate are at least like semi good ideas. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, and that's, that's a big deal for us is just like being able to channel Mm -hmm. our enthusiasm towards things that we, we actually think are going to work realistically. Yeah. So, right. so that covers the big picture of how do you decide what to do first? <laughs> yeah. How do you decide what to do over the next like three months? Yeah. 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 But what, what about like when you get up in the morning and you've got your coffee and you're sitting down? I, um, I look at my note cards, okay. I, like small stuff that I can just knock out. It was, well, I'll have to just make a note to myself, leave it on my desk, take care of that. Get, just get it out. Um, you know, if bugs are coming in over email, I'll, I will either just solve them right away mm-hmm. and email the person back or make a card and trail it on the bug board and that'll get prioritized later. Um, once that is sorted, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll look at the so- top card on Trello and like have a moment where I decide mm-hmm. if I can actually start working on it. Right. And then if I can, I'll, I'll, I'll break it down into actual tasks, whether that be whiteboard, note card, text mm-hmm. file, and then just do the stuff and then move it over. That's my personal process. Yeah. For me, it's um, it's a little bit different. I've learned over the years that I work best if I have sort of a, an, as a list of things that need to get delivered in front of me. Okay. okay. And so... So, you know, those planning sessions for me are about making that that list and that list Mm -hmm. goes in a spreadsheet or on a Trello card or on a whiteboard. And so usually within that list, sometimes there are things that are higher priority if I'm blocking someone else on the team. But a lot of times it's just, you know, we need a full set of armor and accessories and body modifications for this character rig or whatever. Yeah. And so that will, then I can usually just look at that list, pick the thing I want to do the most from it. And I know the thing on that list is productive work that's good to go. And I, I think I get a lot of excitement out of checking things off of the list and finishing <laughs> that chunk. <laughs> and so that motivates me a lot. If I can't, if I can't see a little mini end point, if I don't, if I don't know what I'm, what I'm working towards, I have a lot of trouble getting started in the morning, but if I can see, all right, you need shoulder pads, you need knee pads, you need whatever, the necklace, you need the brooch, you need the talisman. All right, right boom, right. boom, boom, boom. I can do those. And so, yeah, it's a matter of getting it into into a smaller chunk 
where I can then just yeah. pick from, you know, I have my menu for today and I yeah. can pick whatever I want off the menu and know that Gosh. it's going to be a good mm-hmm. use of my time. Oh, that just makes me think. There was a time like two, three years ago mm-hmm. when I couldn't look at the amount of work that was left in the game. It right? was too overwhelming. Sure. It oh, yeah. Was yeah. So terrifyingly scary that we had to say, like, I want to do this little piece. And we just right. This we're going to focus on weapons, and that's all we're going to focus on. I'm looking at that, no, and, and but that's changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now there's a point, like maybe the beginning of this year ish, mm-hmm. where we'll be like, okay, we can actually look at the whole. We can take off, take the blindfold off, and, <laughs> or the blinders off, and look at the whole mountain. And it's actually not that bad anymore. It's like, okay, this is a lot of work still, but it's. It's not an overwhelming amount of work. We've like mm-hmm. we've passed some like critical point in the project where we're like, oh yeah, we could do that. Yeah. You're, you're halfway yeah. up the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting there. Yeah. 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 It's feeling good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's that's just a funny like. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that also comes into like you have to put those blinders on if there's if there's so much potentially to do that it's overwhelming. You just have to break it into those smaller chunks yeah and you can evaluate which ones are more important well, that's a really good trick i getting I it down to a scope that the human mind can handle yeah <laughs> it's yeah. necessary yeah i was not a very good worker as a young man <laughs> i just <laughs> didn't want to do anything hard mm-hmm. and um part of what i've learned is how to manage that mm-hmm. and and like say no i'm not i'm not making the whole game that's ridiculous i'm making one little thing that i'm excited about and it's going to be fun mm-hmm. right like just like oriented brain towards those little achievable parts and separating the big planning mode that says yes and you're going to be doing this for five years right like when i look at like oh yeah you have to edit 100 text files and like and like make this game design change in a hundred different places. I'm like, Oh, it's going to take forever. No, you idiot. It's going to take six hours. Yeah. <laughs> and you have been working on this game for four years. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> I've noticed that too. Really? You'll ask me about a feature and I'll say, Oh, it'd probably take weeks or whatever. And like half a day and I'm through it. It's actually not <laughs> that bad. It just feels like it took weeks. Yeah. That, I think that's just a maturity. Thing. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and and when you're talking about making, you know, if it's like the same change across multiple files or things like that, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to write a script to do that, and next time I have to make a similar change, I'm going to write a script. I'm going to use the script again, right? Yeah, sometimes that works. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll try to do it. Uh, for you, it doesn't work so well. No, no, I'm. <laughs> I'll sit there and just do the same little operation over and over and over, and yeah. And then I'll, yeah. I'll do it because I'll, I'll never have to do this again. And then, you know, a month later, I do have to do it again. <laughs> oh, but I'll never have to do it after this. I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The lazy sysadmin philosophy. If you have to do it more than once, script it because you'll have to do it a lot more. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, some wisdom. Do it. Mm-hmm. All right. And thinking of wisdom, what is the best advice or feedback you've been given? Mm. Did you have... I think you had an answer ready to go more than I did. <laughs> I have like a, I have a fake answer, which is put more layers in your Photoshop file than you think you have to. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, at one of my first jobs, I had I hadn't really worked digitally until I was an adult. I had done mm-hmm. a lot of painting, and so I think it was at one of my first jobs they asked for a cover art for this certain thing or whatever, and I mm-hmm. made this pretty picture in photoshop and they said oh okay that's awesome but can you change this this and this and i had 
painted the whole thing beautifully on like one layer. And so I'm like, no, oh, I can't change it. What are yeah. you talking about? And they said, oh God, okay, we got to sit you down. We got to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> you can draw, but you can't manage a Photoshop file yet. <laughs> and so every time I think, well, I want to change this and like resist the temptation to no, I don't need to, no, I don't need to organize my layers. I just want to draw. I'm an artist. I want to draw. No, you need to <laughs> set up that Photoshop file. Mm-hmm. Cause some of these get to, I think I'm on 1200 layers for one of the files <laughs> right now. <laughs> and oh. when you're trying to find that one specific thing, that's maybe on layer 561. It's like, no, just group them, color them, <laughs> yeah. label them. Yeah. Do you, do you just have like a, a a high speed fiber disk array for when you press save so it doesn't take like three days and eighteen kilowatts? Uh, I mean, because the the sizes pixel wise are actually not huge. Okay, I've got one that's like it's only like four hundred by six hundred pixels, and the file size is like a gig and a half because it has a thousand <laughs> layers on it. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that with any bigger file, but right, um, right. Yeah, they're small files, but there are a lot of layers going on. It was like for the face. It's for the our faces. heads, yeah. yeah. All the different faces yeah. and all the different expressions and, and the all wrinkles, the wrinkles and the hairstyles and the hair streaks. Because we have these procedurally generated, emoting, aging 2D characters. Yeah. <laughs> we need a lot of that, that sounds pretty awesome as it is, yeah. Um, but complicated it's and like really hard to set up, yeah. Yeah, we did a lot of work Fantastic. on the rig. And that's, again, it's just like playing to the strength of the, of the team. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just about like who's on the team. Okay, it's us. Let's do something that we can execute better than most people. Right. right. Um, yeah. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. More layers in your Photoshop file than you have to. <laughs> You're gonna have to go back and edit it and don't make yourself miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Too. I have some like it's interesting. Like I have some general software development stuff, which is that mm-hmm. like, okay, you suck at planning you can estimate how long it will take to build a feature, but if it, it has to be a product, it's going to take three times as long. If it has to be a mm-hmm. system, it's going to take three times as long. And it have yeah. to, if it has to be a product and a system, it's going to take nine times as long. Um, that's, that's just straight out of Mythical Man Month. Yep. There's um, And more managers need to read that because they still haven't gotten it. Make the mistakes all the time. All the time. All yeah. the time. It's We're going to so- add a new team member and it'll go twice as fast. No. That one? Yeah, you tell yeah. me about that. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, the second is sort of game development advice, which is that you have to test your puzzles. Like The puzzle that is obvious to you will, will confound your players 100% of the time. Um, you have to test them. There's actually a lovely game called You Have to Burn the Rope. It's an old like flash game and it's super short. Mm. And all it is is like you've got this little guy who's carrying a torch, and and the, the name of the game is you have to burn the rope. And like you walk down this corridor, and there's text that comes on the screen that says there will be a boss at the end of this. There's a chandelier. You have to burn the rope. You go up and you like jump around. There's this big boss. There's a chandelier. You burn the rope, and the chandelier comes down and kills the boss. And the credits roll. And there's a song about how you have to burn the rope. You burned that rope, and you're the hero. <laughs> and and like I thought this game was incredibly brilliant at like. <laughs> Doing at a meta this level. one at a meta level of like yeah, good fucking game developer. <laughs> you're not gonna understand what you want them to do. You have to tell them five different ways, <laughs> right? Right. It was the most brilliant little like piece of game development advice that I've ever seen. Um, and then like per- on a personal level, I got some advice like professionally in a large organization about being snarky that I found really surprising when I got it. 
Um, cause I don't consider myself like a, a negative person who wants to tear other people down or like, mm-hmm. um, and I realized that what it was is that like, I was taking a set of assumptions for granted. I was taking a, like a sort of frame of mind and set of assumptions for granted. Like, you know, we're all friends here. We're all on the same team. This is a little silly that this is happening and I can kind of poke fun of it in a way that, yeah. and Probably I think on a video game, I didn't, I didn't really realize the extent to which I have to take into account other people's, especially in a large organization, mm-hmm. other people's point of view. They are not personal friends with me. They don't, instinctively trust that I am doing this in fun and not trying to make a political point. Um, yeah. yeah. And that was a, that was a tough lesson. I, I try to be really careful in my communication. Um, and I've tried to be more careful about like not, not tearing things down. I've had to like really work on that. Yeah. Um, that's been interesting. We've, we've had like, the occasional side channel on Slack, like the private channel where it's like, here are the five of us that we know we can make these jokes around, that we can be cynical bastards around. Yeah. That we can we can vent and flame and bitch about things. Yeah. But it doesn't need to be on the public channel because like the managers will not take that in the spirit in which it is intended. Or yeah. yeah. Wow. Um we you have to have that pressure release. Yeah. Um, you know, and if the culture doesn't, it, 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 I'm not going to say encourage, but if the the culture doesn't allow for that, then it's going to be really difficult. I right. think what, like, having having us together in the same room has been really helpful for that. If there is anything we need to vent about or that we're frustrated yeah. about, we can talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. And we've you know been married for however many years, so we know. <laughs> you know I'm not worried about about offending you or anything, but yeah. yeah. But yeah. All right. Do you want the easy but sad question first or the <laughs> hard but happy question first? <laughs> the success question is harder, isn't it? It's yeah, that's 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 the happy but hard question. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's talk about failure. Okay. So how do you deal with failure or missing a goal? So Gosh, it happens. Um, oh, yeah. We don't have so many like hard timeline goals on our project currently, but we have had a couple of big examples of stuff that just didn't work. Yep. Um, I wrote down. Like, I think when we were. Oh, yeah. No, when we were, um, we brought on a bunch of writers at one time. Mm-hmm. And I think we we sort of gave them an initial direction to go and I remember when we started getting things back we realized that we hadn't hadn't explained it well and by the time we were you know as we went through editing more stuff and figure we got a much better idea of what we wanted but by that time people had sunk so many hours into this and I remember we eventually kind of had to we kind of wrote a new doc and we had a big meeting about it Mm -hmm. and saying like okay you know we we're all figuring this out together. We may have, you know, we probably weren't super clear on. So let's, let's re go over this. And that was, I don't know. Yeah. That was hard. It was hard for, it was, for me. At least. It, was yeah. it was definitely worth doing. Um, 
there's a couple of things in the like development of the game that went through similar arcs. We we used to have like a world map that was open and flat, and you could move anywhere. Sort of like, just like a two D grid. Um, kind of like getting on the the airship in a Final Fantasy game, and just I'm going to go to this city now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of open in that way, um, and it felt very like textureless. Like places didn't seem to matter, mm-hmm. um, and it was just not working and what we eventually came to was well what if we had big like regions or sort of tiles like a settlers more like a settlers Catan kind of a setup where yeah. it's a procedural map but it's not this totally like formless thing there are like discrete areas they have mm-hmm. biomes you move between them um and that was painful it was months of work and just just tossed over our shoulder and yeah lots of work to rebuild the new mm-hmm. thing yeah, and um, yeah. but it was and it was a really hard decision to make, and to like we kind of felt it coming, I think, yeah. for a little while before we dug in, but we eventually did did the work, and it and it paid off. And the other one was the the way that we deliver stories in the game mm-hmm. was originally just like sort of a block of text with a couple of choices, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't. Yeah. it wasn't like doing what we wanted we had these characters mm-hmm. and so like i don't know we tried to like brainstorm a few different things we could have like faces next to lines or like dialogue something something and we eventually like came up with this comics format where all the characters are speaking in comic panels that come up okay, and okay. and like it was terrifying because mm-hmm. it was like a bunch of unknown work they're like, I think I can make this work. I think I can sort of see a path through building this thing. Um, but everybody else was like, what? And we had to... I was even like, what? Because you proposed it. Yeah. So like, we, no, that's dumb. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. We went back and forth on it for a while. Um, but we eventually built it. And now it's like the heart of our game in many ways. Is these stories delivered in comic form. Yeah. So what that part of it is like, is not... Sort of not being afraid to admit when something is a failure. Because mm-hmm. when we're, we're working on our own game, we don't necessarily have someone from on high come in and tell us, yeah. this didn't work, you failed at this. Yeah. But to like... To we have to, to own that ourselves. Right. Yeah. I was going to say also, I've had in like freelance art experience, one of the, the things I've learned about dealing with failure is sometimes I will just straight up drop the ball on an assignment. I will Something will get lost in my inbox and I'll come back to it a month later. And I'm aware. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Happens to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't know when I was in school and college, I was terrified of that because I felt like I had to come up with a story or a justification as to why Mm -hmm. this was not my fault as to why (laughs) something else happened. You know, something happened. I needed a good enough excuse that this person would not punish me, even though nobody Mm -hmm. was actually ever going to punish you. And I learned over the years that that really, if you just bite the bullet and just say, sorry, I dropped the ball, you know, or, hey, it's been a really busy month. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go into all the details of justifying, no, I am a good person. This this bad thing happened, but it wasn't my fault kind of a thing. Yeah. But people don't, I don't know. They don't care. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can come up with all these excuses. They, they don't care. I don't mean that in a heartless way, but they don't, you know, you can just tell people, hey, I screwed up. Can we keep moving forward? And and ninety nine percent of the time they'll be like, oh yeah, sure. Let's. I'm happy to keep going like that. Yeah. And that <laughs> yeah. last one percent, you probably don't want to be working with anyway. 
and that's fine. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And if, you know, if they did have a, a hard deadline and you mm-hmm. wrecked it, then all right, you're probably never going to see him again. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, hopefully they won't mess that one up. Yeah. Mess yeah. that one up. Yep. And you, you know, it's been I interesting about it, but. Um, being in charge of a team of contractors, right? right. Being, being on the other end of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think I because like, if you miss payroll, there uh, the, then <laughs> shit oh, yeah. hits the fan really quick, right? Oh no, so. and your contractors on time. Pay yeah. <laughs> that's number one rule. Yeah, having yeah. been on both sides of it, as yeah. a contractor and hiring contractors. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, like we don't. If somebody's late, that's yeah. You know what? Fair. I've had family stuff going on. It, it's going to be in a few weeks. That's fine. Really, we don't. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely fine. You don't. Don't need to you don't need to tell me the whole story you don't need to grovel you don't need to do any of that it's it's okay <laughs> it'll get done eventually it's fine yeah yeah but, uh, yeah the failure to really you know missing deadlines and stuff it's usually in most in, in our industry at least it's, it's not as bad as you think it is and yeah. so just yeah just owning it and not making it a huge deal in the end of the world is, is really kind of what everybody else wants to nobody Unless they're having a really bad day and their own issues, nobody wants to make an example of you and take you to task. And, I was going to say, I, I, I have friends at some local game studios that might disagree, but... Oh, maybe we've just been lucky. <laughs> I've been lucky, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, the big studios are a different story, right? Yeah. It's and, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's very yeah. place by place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Other side of the coin. The happy but difficult question, do you celebrate your success, and if so, how? That is such a work in progress for us. We are, yeah. <laughs> we are actively trying to get better at it. We're trying to get better at it, yeah. We're, we almost need to organize. Like, we need another organizational system just, just for, for, our, that. for our rewards of yeah. the other stuff mm-hmm. that we organized, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's tough. We're working on it. And the other thing is that this game has been in progress and unreleased for so long mm-hmm. like we can't like there's what's to celebrate we're not live yet right right <laughs> it's sort of the problem um but we, we did we shipped a build mm-hmm. and we went up to lunch we did yes <laughs> there you go yeah yeah so that's a thing oh, that's great. that's progress the other thing that i'll do for myself is i'll, I'll pick after after doing something that i didn't want to do mm-hmm. i will pick something that i I am really excited about, even if it's a bit irresponsible and doesn't isn't really the most risky thing and doesn't need to be done up front. I'll, I'll just do it. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think for me also, I, you know, I was talking about how I like to finish a list, a chunk of work. Mm-hmm. And I actually work, I work best in small spurts, maybe two or three hours at a time and yeah. take a break. And so I can get a chunk done, then that's, I take a little break. I'll go downstairs and I'll make something or I'll go water the plants mm-hmm. or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, do some kind of like house task that's not related. And I don't yeah. know if it's so much as a reward, but, but giving myself that break, not forcing myself to, to go for eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. if my brain is just going to get fried after three to just say, you know what? You did good. That was mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> go downstairs, take a break, go do something you want to do. We yeah, charge yeah. a little bit. Recharge. Yeah. yeah. So it's not so much as celebrating your success, but kind of recognizing those little mini successes throughout the day and just taking very small 
small rewards, small breaks. Right on. Well, that's all the official questions. Yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? You know, because it, it occurred to me the thing the thing you might want to talk about when when doing success and uh, okay, guys, I'm recording this on the day the interview with Damian Ryan comes out, uh, so you guys haven't listened yet. It'll be available in about two hours um, from when we're recording this. But one of the things he does is he keeps a victory log, even little things. Oh, just that's just, a really good idea. Yeah, yeah I know, you? right? It's well, it, a box out of there. What? From under the... <laughs> yeah, but he's just got a text file that's like, I got, you know, here's here's something yeah. I got done. Here's the other thing yeah, I got done. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, Nate actually... I want to show you this Nate box. has this funny tendency to... He talked about all those index cards. Yeah, yeah. He keeps them. And oh, wow. A lot of them. This is the whole game development history. Wow. And, and this is, this is uh, what is that, about a four-court, three-court... Um, oh, yeah. Top oh, a couple gallons, probably. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, all right, here's the whole history it's, of the game right in here. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like the the giant tubs you see. I mean, it's it's no, it's no. definitely filing box size, but yeah. um, but you know, it's one of the, uh, for those at, at home. It's one of those plastic boxes with the with the lids you can get at the office supply store at Target or whatever. Yeah, and so you can actually see your progress with that as that fills up. It's kind of neat. <laughs> I don't look at it enough, but it's kind of yeah. Neat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's the big question of what are we going to do when we release the Oh, game. my gosh. <laughs> well, you're going to... Maybe? I don't know. You're going to have to... We're going to have to do support. That's yeah. Support true. and bug fixes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Let's celebrate by fixing 10 million bugs. Yeah. Well, that that was the thing we were uh, the other thing that because uh, I re-listened to the interview last night while I was producing it that Damien and I were talking about is that in today's software development world you're constantly delivering. It's not like in the old days, yeah. like yes. like my friends who are, who are working at the big U um, R S studio in Research Triangle Park. Uh, they're French. They have a French parent company. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, where when they ship that, you know, it used to be if they when they were shipping that game, it was on that disc, and yes. that was it. Yes. Done. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, we ship the disc, but that's just to speed up the time it takes to download all the uh, all the bug fixes yeah. and and the content. <laughs> and uh, I I actually think the the I haven't bought a physical game like for my Switch. Um, for like a couple months the only reason i'm buying a couple physical games is because uh, it's smash and i need the pre-order and it's pokemon and i need the pre-order and i'm not going to pre-order digital on that uh but uh, you know now it's it's much more even game development has come into that continuous delivery all right we have it out now we have to come up with the next set of bug Mm -hmm. fixes or the dlc or the the content yeah um because we have yeah Oh, and that's the right way and to do it. And that's like the best case scenario. That assumes that that assumes that people actually want to buy it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Scenario where you're not doing anything is actually way worse mm-hmm. than that. Right. Where you sit there and you're going, well, hmm, just the crickets. Yeah. yeah. Word. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so, so where can we find out more about about the game and about you guys? Yeah, yeah. Um, so wildermyth.com is mm-hmm. the website. Uh, Wildermess? Myth? With myth. Okay. Like wilderness, but with myth on the end. Okay. <clears throat> nice. Okay. Um, um, yeah, that's the best place to go, probably. Um, I mean, that takes you to the dev blog, Facebook, yeah. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. 
And and is there a, a beta or a green light or something people can try or not quite uh, there not yet? yet. We're, yet. We're still in alpha. Um, you can sign up on mm-hmm. on the mailing list that's on wildermyth.com okay. for updates. And we've been sending out uh, play tests, alpha play tests there. When we hit beta, we'll probably be on itch.io. That is still mm-hmm. a couple months out. And then we, uh, well, we, a couple months, I mean, like maybe January, depending <laughs> on how things go. Yeah, um, these these particular months. Mm-hmm. These particular, yeah. <laughs> um, and then we hope to be live for real, real um, end of first quarter next year. Okay, it's game development. Um, it's hard to make promises. Just say it's not like you have to ship a gold master in it by a specific date to meet specific revenue goals. It's true. It's I've, yeah. I've been at those companies. Yeah, <laughs> no, we have the luxury of being able to hold back until we feel good about it, but that's mm-hmm. also a trap, right? Uh, because we might not ship. <sighs> yeah, we, we, can't, really we can't just keep keep um, at it. Yeah, forever. Yeah, we're really eager to get it out the door. Perfect is the enemy of done, as I always say. Yes. yes. Constantly, yeah. That and because of so much of our identity is wrapped up in this thing now. Right? Yeah. Like this is who we are. True. I think for yeah. for me, definitely. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a little bit scary to put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> And as I've also said more than once, oh yeah, when recording, we'll fix that in post. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we have that option. She's yeah. nice. How often do I actually fix in post? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you both so much. This was awesome. Thank you. And, this was awesome. Yep. And uh, for our people listening at home, we will be right back. I gotta say that was fun. That was really fun to to talk to to see their their works in progress, all that stuff. Absolutely fantastic. So, our badge code for this week is actually Wildermyth. W i l d e r m y t h. And for those of you who don't know, you go to productivityalchemy.com on a desktop browser. Still haven't been able to diagnose the plug-in issue with mobile, scroll to the bottom, there'll be a little box in there, type in Wildermyth, and you can get an open badge. And open badges are images with metadata that talks about how you got it, who issued it, and personalized for you. So it's it's pretty cool, and and there are a couple backpacks out there that you can store them on, and Fedora Project uses it, Mozilla's used it, and it's, it's, it's groovy. So... Uh, you 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 keep looking pensive like you have something to say. No, I have nothing to say. I am I am, <laughs> honey. At this point, I'm once we're done, I'm going upstairs. I'm taking a handful of Vistaril and then I'm getting in the bathtub. All right then. So uh, so yeah. So you can help support our anti-anxiety <laughs> meds. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, that that frankly is what they're supporting because nobody they, they don't get paid for. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so you can you can support us by going to 
patreon.com slash Ursula V, which is Ursula's Patreon. And you can get, if you subscribe or you, you sign up via Patreon, you get all of Ursula's eBooks absolutely free as part of like all the T King Fisher books happen. All the ones she self publishes, I should clarify self publishes. Yes. Since yeah. I have T King Fisher's coming out later this year that I have not self published. Yes. Uh, but all the self published works, you just get a copy as part of the Patreon and you help support this podcast. You help support Kevin and Ursley cheap. You help support the hidden almanac. If that may be a little too much, you can also go to coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash ksunny and buy me a coffee. Or you can subscribe to buy me a coffee every month. It, I set up the whole monthly recurring thing if you want. You get a special badge code over there for I bought Kevin a coffee as a supporter. I'm trying to figure out this year other things I can provide as part of that. Mm-hmm. So I know when we talk to the the – I know – I was going to say for the letter show, but then I'm going to talk about it right now. I've got at least one person who's asked, hey, do you guys have like a Slack or a Discord chat or something like that? I don't have any plans of doing that right now, but we'll see how the year goes. It's it's the sort of thing that I like the idea of, but I don't necessarily think we have the the <laughs> stuff to moderate it. Yes, there's there's... A yeah. lot, that sort of thing. Plus, I if I get a real job, I won't be able to spend as much time managing that sort of community. We could do some wallpapers. We can we can talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I could do that. Like, I've got the logo as a splash screen that I use as a wallpaper, the big high res version you did for me, which is fantastic. That may be something I put on coffee later this year or this month because I gotta go get ready for Magfest. So there's I've all that. figured out the difference between our anxieties. Oh? Yours is I will fail everyone and they will die in a ditch next to Walmart because yes. I did not provide for them. And mine is I will die in a ditch <laughs> next to Walmart. And yes. Yes. I when, feel like I am the one standing between you and that ditch and ditch it next to Walmart. Oh, yeah. Uh Sergey, no. You just ate. Now yeah, and, and my brain is like, yeah. nope, Kevin, Kevin will leave you to the ditch. Right. So that's... But hey, we have meds to help with that. Thank God. Yeah. Anyway, that is... Also, various people have asked why I don't just invest up front in modding the ditch <laughs> so that I have a very nice ditch to go die in. And let me point out, why do you think I bought Dog Skull Patch? That is my modded ditch. Okay. That is that is completely fair. <laughs> And so, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this week. I'm off to MAGFest if you happen to be there. I don't have any stickers, but I will still have some of my Productivity Alchemy business cards with the I Met Kevin badge code on them. I have some of the other stickers, but it's time to find, you know, to reorder the next batch, which is cool. And so for that, we will talk to you next week and uh, stay productive. <laughs>